0: Hello, Mood Group friends. Welcome back to our podcast, Packaging Perspectives, brought to you by Mood Group, Global Executive Search Specialist to the packaging and print sectors. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Carrie Klepsich, who is Global Marketing Leader of eProductivity. productivity Software is a leading global provider of industry-specific business and production software technology for the packaging and print industries, and, for a matter of record, valued clients of Mood Group. Hello, Carrie. Thank you for joining us. Thank Where you do we for find you me. in the
1: world today? Uh, beautiful, sunny Manchester, uh, Altrincham. So just seated outside of um, Manchester in a in a glorious wet English Wednesday morning.
0: Very nice. Very nice. And and that was a move that you made uh, in the last 24 months, I think, wasn't it? Over over to over the pond. About say.
1: 18 months ago. Yes from equally as grey uh in rainy Pittsburgh. So didn't uh didn't downgrade too much on the weather, but yes, so moved here about eighteen months ago.
0: And no doubt um enjoying the fact that like we say, when we're going somewhere on holiday, uh it's never the same as when you live somewhere and you've got more time to go and explore and do things and and, and get out and about.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, nobody moves to, moves to England for the weather, all jokes aside, right? But what you do move for is the history. There's so much to see on any given day, weekend, whether it's a day trip, uh, obviously the proximity to the continent, hop on a plane and you're anywhere and under, you know, an hour sometimes, Paris, um, Amsterdam, and certainly so much within reach within two hours. But it
0: was Very a good week. Nice. Very nice. Well, very pleased to have you in England. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. By way of explanation for our audience, um, when we created our podcast, my business partner and wife, Emma Du and I, wanted to have conversations with key people from our industry about their careers to date, the paths they followed, twists and turns, et cetera, et cetera, and learn what advice they would offer to others embarking on or partway through their own careers in our industries. On the assumption, Carrie, that you're not living to work, but rather working to live, let's start first with, what do you like to do outside of work?
1: Lots of things. Um, So I write, I paint, so there's that piece. I'm a trustee and a volunteer at TRC Rape Crisis Centre here located in Manchester, so devote a lot of time to that. traveling we just discussed big big history nerd history buff at heart so get in as much uh day trips as i can and then just normal things hanging out with friends and family and loved ones so quite full on both fronts
0: I, I, I love books, and listening to you being an author, I, I, I love books, um, particularly cookery books. I think we've shared that before. Mm-hmm. And um, I can always imagine where somebody um, writing a cookery book would start from, because uh you've got some recipes that you like or you've researched and and it's, it's it's much around that but in your case I think your books are fiction am I right mm-hmm. where do you get your ideas and your inspiration from and how do you how do you start with a with a book I've never spoken to somebody that does that before
1: that's a good question I remember being eight and about eight and I wrote a screenplay and I remember' dating myself. Severely here. I wanted Whoopi Goldberg to start it. So this must have been in the 80s, right? Kind of height of her career. And um, I still remember the plot to this day. And I typed it out on a, I don't know where the idea came from. Um, and I, my dad, uh soul, went back in the day, right, to, I think, the library and made copies upon copies. And we got a phone book. Remember those? And he helped me mail them to every movie house in America, of course. You know, nothing ever came of it. But I was lucky that I had parents who fostered that at a very young age. Um, and so I just, anytime I had an idea, I've Felt like I should write it down, like there was it was a perfectly normal thing to do to to daydream and take that daydream and put it onto a piece of paper. Um, because I really had the encouragement of my parents who went so far as to, you know, shove them into manila envelopes and send them off to movie houses. Uh, it is fiction, but real life. Um, so the first book is all about children in crisis in different parts of the world. And I think especially as an American, we tend to be very tunnel visioned um, in what we see and, and how we perceive the outside world and how we perceive when we go into a country for military action, for whatever that reason is. Um, and then we just leave and don't realize sort of what's been left behind. So that was um Inspiration came from watching Hotel Rwanda, actually, and feeling incredibly guilty that I was one of those Americans when it was all happening and, and didn't really care. And Juliana was about six at the time. So just sort of connecting the dots of, you know, I'm a mother. I have children. I can't imagine living in a world where I couldn't protect them. Your most basic instinct as a parent, right, is to to protect your children and to not be able to do that in so many parts of the world um, in conflict uh, at any given time must be heart wrenching. So uh, not exactly a book you'd, you know make you feel good, but i but I think sometimes stories have to be told then on to just my rideshare drivers and hearing their stories and why they choose to do it and just you know again some coming from horrific circumstances from wherever they are and just carving out a living the best that they can to people who've literally left corporate jobs because they were sick of the hours and but um, wanted to see their children grow up and and so went a different route. And I think those people are fascinating and we never stop to talk to people anymore, whether it's the person next to you in the train or the bus or, you know, it's like frowned upon. You have children, you know, they get annoyed when you talk to other people. Like, why would you do that? Stop talking, mom. Right. You don't yeah. know that. Um, and so it all just sort of comes from. Things that I think other
0: people should know. Very interesting. And hearing you saying that you're um, you were grateful for your parents' enthusiasm and support from for for your idea and your initiative, despite what the outcome may or may not have come to, from an early age. Do you think that's key to people being successful in their lives and their their careers? Has that been something that's helped you with yours?
1: it it has for sure i think um very much you know we grow into our parents right as much as they fostered my love of books and writing and reading they definitely um steered me towards take what you're good at and what you like and then how can you go make money from it like how can you earn a living and so uh, you know, talking about my career and twists and how did I wind up where I was, I was supposed to go to law school. I had never, the word marketing meant nothing to me. Even as I was graduating from university, I I was going to be a lawyer, full stop. It's so what my parent, you know, my love of books, my love of history. I'm a good writer. My dad used to say, think of the closing arguments you can write, Carrie, <laughs> like you'll be great at those. Um so it was fostering that, but in a very practical parental way, steering your your things into that's great. you can do it, and you know, maybe one day somebody will buy a book you write um but but how are you going to feed yourself in the meantime, which I think is perfectly practical. My daughter calls me a dream killer often, Rachel you know, tell me she wants to be something. And I'm like, mm, like that's great. Why don't you do that as a hobby? Right. Like, let's, let's do that as a hobby. And then funny enough, she's uh, on a path to law school. Um, but Let's go off and do this so that you can earn um a living. And she's like, you're such a dream killer. So so, yes, it, 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 it they fostered it, but also instilled a sense of practicality, I think as well.
0: It's a a balance, isn't it, I often think, because doing the work that I'm privileged to do, we do meet a lot of people that perhaps have reached a point where they're not happy in their work and and they realise perhaps they didn't follow their passion uh, quite so much. I think famously Steve Jobs, uh, the founder of Apple, was on record for saying, you know if you do what you like you'll never work another day in your life sort of thing and i know it's a fine line as a parent myself i've encouraged my children to to find independence and and yes it's it's uh Being an artist, perhaps I'm not that I'm I'm knocking being an artist, don't get me wrong, but certain things where you're you're perhaps very much reliant on other people and uh, 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 it's not so easy to drive your own fortune, um, we're going to be protective. No,
1: but you can, what I've found was, you know, by not taking that fateful trip into, into law school, although in hindsight I probably should have gone, um, but, it, but in wanting to follow by, I, did not, I didn't I want to be a lawyer. I, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, right? Yeah, sure. um, I did not. And I didn't really know what I wanted to be because I'd never thought about anything else. Um, I feel so blessed and lucky to be where I am today because I do get to use all of that creativity, right? Marketing is a very creative job. It, the backbone of any good marketing is content, which is writing. Um, and you do get to you get to play like you're a little kid in a lot of ways, right? Um, and really use that creativity. So um, I think that I also learned from that, you know, while my parents' intentions were good and they wanted me to have, you know, a successful career and something that, that would make me financially stable, there was probably a middle ground and that would have been marketing. But I don't think that they would have thought about that, right? Uh, just, um being the sort of folks that they were would not have been like, oh, maybe we should encourage her to go into marketing. Right. Uh, but I, but I, yes, so you can find the good balance that uses your strengths and the things that you're good at and the things that really inspire you and go carve out a really good career with those. I feel, I feel lucky that I've been able to do that.
0: Very good. Very good. Thank you. Please, can you share with us one or more highlights in your career so far?
1: So there's been a a couple, I'm glad to, in transparency to the audience to get a peek at the answer questions first. Uh, So I thought a lot about that because I've had a wide career from politics to corporate America, you know, in unified communications and collaboration And then now into the printing and packaging industries um, and little bits in between that, going from running my own business to not. And um, so there's bits from each of them. Um, The world of politics in the U.S. is fascinating to run a campaign, to be submerged in that world um, is an experience unlike any other that I will ever have in, in my lifetime. Um, but for very different reasons, right, than, than doing what I'm doing now. Um, but I, currently, and more pertinent to, to this audience, was being a part of uh eProductivity software EPS, spinning out of EFI and becoming an independent company. We were designing and building the plane while we were flying it right still had the thirty year history behind us, a really strong heritage of of doing what we do really well, but getting the chance to to go off and create our our own destiny in many ways and all that came with that building literally an infrastructure from the ground up, our own e r p and our entire i t infrastructure and new processes and systems and down to my neck of of all of it, the branding and and bringing that to life and positioning and messaging. And our CEO, Gabby Masliak, is actually very quite creative as well. Going to be a a great CMO in his next life, I think. So really passionate about our our branding and our positioning too. Um, So that has been, you rarely get a chance to put your footprint on a company, right? To be there and it's shaping and it's molding and it's a lot of hard work and it's with a lot of hours and a lot of, a um, lot of stressful days, but then you look back at it now that we're sort of coming out on the other side of that um into, into more of a calmness. And you think, gosh, like we just did this really amazing thing. And I think that the customer's, didn't skip a beat right we we sort of shielded people from everything that was going on um kept investing in our software kept investing in our technology kept doing our upgrades kept getting out there you know with the curtain pulled behind us um anything finally just being able to to unveil that um and move forward with with some really good plans
0: amazing really amazing and actually uh, a bit like the analogy of the swan going down the river isn't it you know yes. when what you see above water is exactly what we the world have seen um and you know what's gone into that and i like that other that 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 description you gave of sort of building the plane whilst it's flying that's that's fantastic that's really good What was the career path that led you to where you were today? Were there any sort of tipping or pivotal points that upon reflection played a major part in your career?
1: Yeah, So not going to law school. Um, (laughs) I had no idea what I wanted to do after I made that announcement and um, just wound up um, going to work one Monday shortly thereafter with a good family friend, um, friend of my dad's. And was in the mailroom of a political party back in the States because I really had nothing else to do and really tripped into marketing that way. Just really tripped into, you know, being a part of a campaign for, for a Senate race that was about to take place and interacting with the press and all of a sudden writing press releases and, you know, being involved in building a website. So it was a very grassroots, not a lot of money campaign. Um, and that's where I fell in love with marketing that I didn't understand. I don't think at that moment what it was that I was doing, but I was like, I really like this. I feel like I'm good at it. Um, it's using all of the skills that I have. And so after that campaign went to New Orleans and did an internship at a political PR firm, and that's sort of when all the light bulbs went off and all the pieces fell into place. Um, so that was a just fate fate maybe coincidence um following my heart just sort of saying i i'm i don't know what i'm going to do but i am not going to go do that um funny enough i think i am now going to go do that i think um going to start a a law program here in the the next couple of years to just sort of think what comes next right what comes after all of this um because there often is so what comes next um and so I've been really kicking around, you know, maybe doing legal work in the nonprofit world. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go and sort of keep that in my back pocket. And well, I'm still good at studying and reading and uh, see where we go from there.
0: Sounds very interesting. Watch this space. Uh, yeah. I think you've partly answered this question I'm going to ask, but. I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, did you always want to do what you find yourself doing?
1: No, I mean, I, no, I never knew that like up until all of a sudden in my 20s, I was doing it. I had zero concept of marketing. I didn't. Um, no, never. Once I fell into it, I knew that I didn't really want to do anything else. Um course, again, you know what we just going back 20 seconds, you know, what comes next in, into off into our golden years and not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but, you know, there there will come a point where I think everybody steps back from their career, right, as as we get older um, and what comes next. And But for now and for the foreseeable future and what I've been doing, I I can't imagine doing anything else.
0: Sure. And I should have caveated when I said, watch this space. I mean, in terms of the bigger picture in the future yeah. one down the road yes it, it's somebody somebody uh, I, I read a book once of the chairman of uh, uh of a very large um print and packaging organization in Saudi arabia and one of the, the things that he always used to say to anyone he was interviewing uh interviewing was um looked at their cv and said right show me the plan what was the plan here you know how how, how did why why did you make all these decisions and i suppose planning for the future is a is a a good thing yeah and there will come a time where perhaps um you 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 want to draw on previous interests and develop them and get prepared for them absolutely absolutely yeah
1: i think we all have a second act somewhere into our golden years right my uh you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe 90s. I think as long as you keep going, I think that's what keeps you going. At, at least that's, my grandparents lived well in, well, well into old age. And I remember asking like how, how they just did it, right? Just up every day. And they both said, you just have to keep going to something every day that, that you love and that keeps you active and out of the house and your brain kind of working. Um, And so I definitely got that from them, This you know, keep planning until you're 100. And just keep yeah. going down that
0: road and you'll Absolutely. get there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's some books being written um, uh, based on, leg- on longevity of life, particularly a focus of one I I, I started to read about a Japanese book and uh, about ikii And there they refer to this particular village in Japan where they've got the the, the biggest amount of uh, people that are above 100 years old, and they're all extremely community community active. They're all helping uh, people in their community, and it and it keeps them very engaged and very active. So, yeah. and I think also when you talk about second chapters and third chapters and things like that, the, some of the things I read now it seems to indicate that people will have perhaps um more than one job in parallel or people will have many different careers in a lifetime um uh, because they've been able they're able to do that they're able to perhaps have one that's more staid and in a particular route, and something else which is a bit more of an indulgence and that sort of thing. And it, 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 we, we will accept that, you know, as a as a world, we'll tap into resources and buy people's time, perhaps not in a full time role. You know, it might yeah. be that we only have something a, a kind of glorified job share type thing. Um, but, yeah, but it's a, an interesting concept. If, if, uh, there's there's some thoughts that things are going in that direction, and certainly shared resources and taking people's abilities and and saying, well, you know, we see it, for instance, in people uh, coming towards the end of their careers and then taking on non-exec roles uh, or interim roles or things like that, where they're they're supplying their whole lifetime's career experience to a company on uh, two days a month. Um, yeah. And that company gets to tap into such amazing experience, and we're all heading in that direction probably with uh, you know, future time. Okay. With your work hat on, Carrie, please may I ask you the following? Mm-hmm. What do you feel you're good at? Writing. <laughs> right.
1: Two things. So writing out of the gate, um, I'm good at, and not just I'm good at taking maybe very esoteric concepts um and making them interesting or making them digestible for somebody who maybe isn't super techy um so good at at getting a message across i think in a way that that's engaging i'm also good at I think a lot of people a misconception of marketing, especially marketing as you go up the ladder, right? When you, when you get to the top of marketing, there's very little creativity on a daily basis, right? It is looking at a lot of data, it is looking at budgets and numbers and research, and it's it's not sort of what you came in up through, right? Um, but I am good at it. It, it building a marketing infrastructure. And I think a lot of people on the outside of marketing don't realize how technical it is today and that it does have its own IT infrastructure in the background, from your marketing automation, making sure that that is synced and connected and working properly with whether you use Salesforce or some other CRM, and is it connected to your website? What platform do you use for a website? What technology is on the back end of your website that's giving you all the good data that you need to make really good decisions about SEO, which, you know, worshiping at the altar of Google is hard to work. And if anybody could crack that, right, uh, I do love yes. that people are like, why can't you just do it? Like, why aren't we number one? Well, if if I could crack the world of SEOA would be a billionaire and I wouldn't be coming to work tomorrow. Right. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of data. It's a lot of trying. It's a lot of anything other than gosh, that looks pretty. Let's go do that. Right. Um, so I think a big, Big misconception of people who do not live their life day in and day in and out of marketing is really how data intensive it is and how IT intensive it is. So I'm good at putting that whole picture together, and I feel really proud of of what's been built in in an independent EPS. Um so we had to go do that all all from scratch, all from the ground up, um, not having EFI's corporate marketing
0: infrastructure to rely on anymore.
1: So good at a bigger picture. And then also my sweet spot of of writing.
0: And with the writing aspect melded together with the marketing aspect, would you say that that makes you a good evangelist? Are you very good at sort of uh I, I, I've I've always thought that you're a good evangelist, that you 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 pass the message. Um, yes. Uh, not not preaching, but you really you know how to communicate it, you know how to get others to follow your idea. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We find that when we're holding similar conversations like this with others, um, w- the next question uh, is always very interesting as well, which is what do you find others uh, give you to do? You know, you're in an organization and there's always things that arise, and people think, God, we need to get such such. I know, I'll give that to Carrie. Carrie will take care of that. That will get done. We no need to worry about it. What sort of things uh, do you find that you get asked to do like that, Carrie?
1: Again, the most a big part of the communication, whether that's communicating externally to our customers and hoping to craft those messages or it's communicating internally to our to our team members or to our partners or to the media or to the press. So which I think is a natural place for me to fall, given given my skill set and given my role as well, we do. Peer driven. Um, Gabby does have the expectation rightfully so. You know, we've been put in leadership positions to go lead, right? like go kind of figure it out and and come to him. You know, if if we're stuck or we have a uh, an, an impasse or a roadblock, but we have a very collaborative SLT team who, um, if if one is overwhelmed, somebody can pitch in, right? Um, and and always a good balance so um i think we all naturally sort of fall into our into what you just said this needs to be done who can do it um so mine tends to be that that world of communication and and getting our our message internally and externally out regardless of of in what shape it is right it, it could you craft this email could you go do this plan could you do this for the media Um, So nothing really outside, I don't think, of, of what I'm naturally good at.
0: Thank you and um i asked this question uh uh the next one with, with assu- assuming like myself there are things that I, I i move more to in a warm light than others so uh, uh i'm going to say is, is there anything that you really dislike in your work dislike might be a strong word but is there stuff that you would prefer not to do rather than to do yes um, i know i know not I do, so <laughs>
1: Um, sure. I think also with the leadership position comes a lot of admin, right? And, and it's not fun and it's um, tedious and it's time consuming, but it ha- you have to do it, right? It it comes with the territory anywhere from, I think we said, and I was like, that's absolutely right. Your expense reports, right? Um, time consuming. Um, again, digging into, you know, getting ready for some sort of, you know, internal presentation where there's a lot of data mining and and presentation putting together. Um, yeah, I don't really know anybody who jumps up and down at that. And it's like, I can't wait to go off and, and do that thing. Um, but it, it, so I think anything admin that it becomes a little bit tedious, and you put it off, put it off until you can't put it off anymore. And then you just have to Go off and do it. So, again, nothing I don't think shocking that most people wouldn't say. And then one self-inflicted, I think, and it's definitely, I think, been made worse, at least my generation maybe is pushing back a little bit, being working from home or working remotely a lot of the time um, and also just personality wise, um, very type A personality, having a hard time shutting off and remembering to stop thinking about work and looking outside and it's dark and you haven't moved from your desk and you don't even know how many hours because you've just been. So, but that is very um, self-inflicted, is not knowing when to just sort of say, we don't cure cancer here. We don't We're not solving climate change. Right. Uh, This can be done tomorrow morning and it will be okay. My grandfather used to say, um, and I think it's very wise, work done at night is rework done in the morning. Because you just get so tired.
0: Say that again.
1: Say that again. Work done at night. The work you do at night is the rework you do the next morning. So whatever you're doing at night, you're probably going to have to go redo in the morning. Right. Because you're tired and tired. Your brain isn't fresh and remembering to just stop for a second and you've accomplished enough for the day. Enough has been done for the day and go off um, because you'll probably look at that work in the morning and think, Yeah. Yeah. That,
0: that I used to have a managing director, actually, who would say, after six o'clock, I don't make my best decisions. You know, if you, if I can possibly do it, I'd rather leave it over till the next day with a fresh mind. Yeah. Um, and that was his, his. It wasn't always that carte blanche the case. But, yeah, uh, wise words from your granddad. Wise yes. words. Well, thank you, Carrie, for answering. Thank you. The, these questions for our audience is there anything we haven't covered either about you or your career or your productivity we did
1: a good job thank you
0: okay it just leaves me to say a very big thank you for being our guest and sharing your wisdom and experiences with those that will be watching and listening to our podcast packaging perspectives brought to you by mood group thank, thank you, you very so much.
1: much have a good rest of your week
0: and you take care thank you, thank you. bye bye